Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Yes, it is Sharp Money, VSIN, the sports betting network, as we welcome you in. And as I look, we're in the month of December. Down the stretch we come. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson, live downtown Las Vegas there at the D. I'm Patrick Maher. We say hi. It's a Monday, a football Monday. So you know what that means. Steve Fezzik, professionally handicapper, he's going to be joining us coming up later in the program he if the eight and a half cashes tonight so he's minus eight and a half with the jags that number to close out week 13 right now as they take a look let's go ahead and take a look boys it's sitting 10 i believe so yeah jacksonville's jumped all the way up to 10 over at DraftKings. we'll get into the matchup we've got props to play there as well but fezzik and circa millions he'll be squawking about it here on the show he is killing it and if the Jags cover eight and a half, he'll be in first place in Circa Millions. So Fezzik going to stop by. It looks like we're efforting for Dennis Dodd, who does a great job over at CBS Sports, National College Football Writer. We'll talk about the drama that transpired over the weekend as far as the College Football Playoff Committee. And everybody I know is pissed off about that. But we do have Cincy and the Jags to close it out, boys. Five weeks after tonight of the regular season remains. That's all. So I want to dig into the playoffs and some odds there. Uh, just to start quickly to set the table, Samich has sent over a few plays for the family today. No Thomas Gable as of yet. I don't want to press the sports and race book director there at the Borgata, but he's been killing it with college basketball plays. The big guy's smiling because he wants to tail the plays, uh, but we have yet to hear from Thomas Gable. Gable, if you're listening, we'll take your plays, even your BRC level plays. NBA-wise, in season tournament eight teams remain i know you two i was going to give you a pop quiz i know you two know this but the group play is done so knockout rounds the quarterfinals tonight you got the celtics and the pacers good matchup with holiday of course and halliburton and the pelicans and kings late night six on the college wood college basketball including iowa and purdue last time i saw purdue i watched them get beat at northwestern that's your number one ranked team in the country 
country. Uh, six on the ice tonight. College football, of course. We wait. Uh, 43 bowl games begin on December 16th, but we do have our final four set. We have to wait, boys. It's December 4th as we sit here right now in real time. Got to wait till January 1st. Four Bama versus one Michigan. One and a half with Michigan laying it. Texas three, Washington two in the sugar and Texas is laying four and a half. And then we'll have the college football season conclude on January 8th with the national championship. Okay. So we're set. That's me. I'm all Shaw. What say you? It should be a fun month of December. You mentioned Thomas probably not a ton of plays in college basketball. This is a very, very light week. I'm actually kind of glad it won't be as much uh, paying attention to college hoops. Schedule really starts to pick up because so many schools are in finals uh, starting the weekend coming up. But uh, the NFL, guys, I'll tell you what, we're going to get into it like love and loathe. Kansas City Chiefs going with that Patriots uh, blueprint of not bringing anybody on the perimeter to help Mahomes out. We'll get into that a little bit more later on. I've got some uh, points on that one. Uh, but this was, I'll tell you what stood out to me this weekend, Patrick. The San Francisco 49ers went into Philadelphia and just laid down a beatdown. Yeah, and I think that's where we're going to start as we welcome in the big guy as well. I agree with you there. It's two teams that really don't like each other, but all of a sudden, if you take a look at the standings, boys, the NFC, AFC, top seed, wide open at this point because, as Maul mentioned, uh, Niners, Eagles, 42-19. to We'll get into the specifics because, obviously, the 49ers, big guy Dustin Sweetelson, we welcome you, starting to look like the best team in football after that drubbing of Philadelphia. I don't know who Dom is. Dom is security for the Eagles. Apparently, he's a legend. He and Drake Greenlaw got into it. You probably know because you're better with this stuff than I. But we say, what's up, big guy? What's going on? Uh, he's their security guy. He's in charge of making sure everything goes fine. But he looks like a guy who thinks he played a big part in them getting to the Super Bowl last year. That's the vibes I got from Dom. <laughs> Very turtle from Entourage vibes. Like, I play no part in the success, but I'm going to take all the credit. You you take you're going to take credit for what that without his security, they don't they don't win the NFC a year ago that he (laughs) seems like that's his mindset also seems like might still live at home with mom and dad, but still might drive like a seventy thousand dollar Mercedes. That's the vibe I get from Dom. Yeah, Dom is uh, Greenlaw kind of booped him in the nose there and Dom was reaching. I just I was like, what is this dude? Dude, is he on the coaching staff? And people were tweeting that he is security. So it was it, it was weird to say the least. OK, let's get into it. So Niners Eagles and that would that will take us, boys. We've got, as I'm all mentioned, like love, loathe coming up here on the program from the weekend and week 13. That was I mean, if you just I'm top of mind right now. So the Patriots lost a game six to nothing. So they've lost three straight games games where they've given up 10 points or less, which is disastrous. Uh, the Detroit Lions, uh, just top of mind, they gave, they were up 21-0 in the first quarter. And then all of a sudden I turn around and that game's tight towards the end. Uh, continue with the Gardner Minshew, absolute superstar run as a backup quarterback. So we'll have plenty to discuss. But the Niners, who started slow in this one, them all ripped off. I think it was five touchdowns and five drives. Maybe I got, maybe I'm shorting them one, but they just went on an absolute roll. Six straight possessions uh, as far as scoring and six straight. Debo with three times in the end zone. Brock Purdy, four touchdowns. Again, and it's funny with Debo because remember, after the NFC Championship game last year, he was tweeting about the fact that if they had Brock, it would have been a different story. They showed and proved, obviously, at the Eagles, 42-19, to 
with Brock Purdy. Uh, we mentioned the Greenlaw aspect of it. You kind of like the fact that these two teams don't necessarily love each other, but here's the difference in the game. They held Philly under 50 yards rushing, so they outgained Philly on the ground. San Francisco 146 to 46. What fascinated me was when Hertz got injured and he came back. Like what was Sirianni doing him all? Like he this this game was untenable at that point. He comes back, but Hurts, it's kind of been a theme all year. Is he banged up or isn't he? Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I tend to agree with you. No reason to bring him back in. It was 28-13 at that point in the fourth quarter. You don't feel like they had an opportunity to really come back. I thought this game was won by San Francisco in the first quarter when they were struggling on offense and the Eagles were dominating the time of possession in the first quarter, but they hold them to two field goals, 26 and 39 yards, and that kept them in the game. I get being down 14 doesn't mean the game is over, but it felt like it gave the 49ers a lot more life. One drive, they take the lead, and then from there, as you alluded to, this team just gets on a tear five consecutive scoring drives but what a difference this team is when they're healthy Trent Williams Debo Samuel I mean these guys are absolute difference makers not taking anything away from Brock Purdy and I hear he's in the you know MVP conversation I'm not a buyer on that but to me when you look around the talent on this team they are very difficult to beat and Patrick you mentioned a minute ago the AFC and the NFC right now up for grabs Miami Jacksonville Baltimore all teams with a ton to play for in terms of home field advantage that crucial buy now the Philadelphia Eagles who missed a golden opportunity yesterday with a victory could have cemented themselves in the NFC now they really have to make sure they play well this is a team guys that could go from potentially the number one overall seed in the NFC to the fifth seed very quickly if they're not careful yeah we can talk about the machinations as far as the postseason it's weird for San Francisco too big guy because I think they were like minus six minus five minus six as far as total yards first quarter and then the next three they just boat race the Eagles and the Eagles have the best record in football but we'll get to the schedule because the next two weeks are a bit of a gauntlet then it kind of eases up for Philadelphia but the defense allows touchdowns on six straight possessions they had missed tackles all over the place Uh, the 49ers right now healthy and clicking no doubt yeah let's hear from Jalen Hurts you guys asked why did he go back into the game reporters kind of had the same question for the Philly quarterback and here's what he had to say yesterday about showing anybody anything is the more so the game's not over so you know you know just trying to uh trying to keep fighting keep fighting and i play that because i listened to all of nick sirianni's uh press conference after the game guys and if you look down at your rundown you will not see a sound bite from nick sirianni because i thought he kind of stunk in the post game not like overtly rude or mean or down but just didn't really say much just said you know they were better they beat us and i think there's a dichotomy with him sirianni from when they win they lose he's a good front runner he's good at being rah-rah and in your face and letting you know how great they are when they lose he's kind of vanilla whereas jalen hurts is the real leader of that franchise he's kind of even across the board you calling sirianni a buster he is teetering in between that, that donk or a buster line of donk and buster like when he wins he's only a donk but when he lose loses he goes full buster all right uh what else what else from this one so you take a look at the schedules so you've now have a philly team that still holds the one seed right but they've got they're at dallas now also if you think about it, the niners put a beat down on the cowboys and now they put a beat down on obviously philadelphia at philly but you've got a 10 and 2 eagles team they're at dallas next week 
and then Seattle, but then they've got three straight wins if they need them. So they're going to get to 13 because they got the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Giants to close out the year. The assumption is they go 3-0 and in those. So 13-2, and uh, worst, excuse me, 13-4 and I'm all worst-case scenario for the, for the Eagles uh, right now. Dallas and Seattle up next. Yeah, but I think this game against the Cowboys is crucially important for a couple of reasons. Number one, not only for the NFC because the 49ers now, by virtue of the head-to-head, would wind up ahead of Philadelphia. But more importantly, you win this game. I, I think, Patrick, Seattle is just not as good as people thought coming into the season. I was not high on this team. I didn't understand the affinity for them. They're sitting at 6-6, six and six, and Geno Smith is still the quarterback. Philadelphia wins this game, in my opinion. They're going to win five in a row to close out the year, as you alluded to, uh, the schedule. But what an important game. They're dogs on the road against Dallas. But this is going to be not a must win, but an important game. And it's so crucial because you get that one less game in the playoffs. I think that's what's such a key element to getting to the Super Bowl and then the road having to go through Philadelphia. So check out the NFC and we'll come back and discuss. The NFC right now, the Eagles 10-2, and two, San Francisco 9-3, and three, the Detroit Lions roar 9-3, and three, and Dallas 9-3. and three. After that, everybody, including division leader Atlanta, Anna, six and six or worse. We'll come back and discuss the NFC, then flip to the AFC. Starting off sharp money here. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, switch to Cricket today and get a free Samsung Galaxy A14 5G. After all, you've been good this year, and they think you really, really deserve it. Smile. You're on Cricket. 
Smile, Sharp Money, VSIN, the Esports Betting Network, as we welcome you back. Kind of a crazy time of the year. I mentioned at the onset, boys, we, we now do take a little bit of a respite here. We were just talking a little bit about the college football playoff during the break, but you got to wait close to a month, January 1st for semifinal games. Bama, of course, Michigan, Texas, Washington. And we do have 43 bowl games this year in total, but not beginning until the 16th of December. So a little bit of a wait there as we get back here. Talking football, of course, on a football Monday. And we're going through like, love, loathe. Dustin, you had a nice tease that I'm intrigued by. Why don't you go ahead and run it back and then give us your answer for your like. Uh, my like is a player that I believe should be retroactively awarded the Heisman Trophy because I think the guy who won a trophy playing with him, if you look back on it, might have only won the award because he was playing with him. And I'm talking about Mike Evans. Mike Evans just notched his 10th straight 1,000-yard season. No player in NFL history has had more than six. He has 10 of them. He's 30 years old and still getting it done. I think it's more remarkable when you look back at his career and who's throwing him the football. This year, Baker Mayfield. Last three years, Tom Brady. And I think we can make a strong case that perhaps Tom Brady's career was extended because he had a receiver like Mike Evans to throw to. Before that, it was Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mike Lennon, Josh McCown, and then back in college, YOLO ball king himself, Johnny Manziel, throwing those 50-50 shots in the middle of the field up for Mike Evans to go up and get it. I think when we look back at what Mike Evans has been able to do to take bad quarterbacks and make them good, I think when we look back at what Johnny Manziel did winning the Heisman, a lot of the credit should be going to Mike Evans for what he did. Is it Tampa Bay? You mentioned the quarterbacks. Is it that or Mike Evans? You just mentioned the record breaking 10 straight years. He's uh, he's going to the Hall of Fame. I I can't remember a catch in his career. I remember against Alabama and Texas A&M. Yeah, but yeah, that's like, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's not. <laughs> that's you just kind of proved my point. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I guess there's validity. Is there a more nondescript, legitimate, like, great player across any sport that he just doesn't really register? Does he just benefit because they're always losing and throwing from behind? But when they had Brady, they weren't always losing. I, so I, I don't know. Like the way I look at no, it, I'm no. not diminishing him. No. I'm saying he's been amazing. Yet I still, it doesn't. He doesn't register for him. I think that kind of goes to uh, the. Final final point I had on him was that at 30 years old, this team's going nowhere. They're about to go through a full rebuild. I think that's that's the realistic thing to do at this point. Contending teams need to start inquiring about trading for him in the offseason because he can still get it done. He can make a young quarterback look good with his catch radius. Like, just get Mike Evans a chance to play for another ring, please, because he's definitely a Hall of Famer. He may not want to necessarily leave, right? He's in a state with no state income tax. He's got great weather 12 months of the year. And also, he's got the ring. But the only thing I'll push back to Patrick, I thought you made a great point, which is, is there a single play we can remember? Dustin kind of summarized that perfectly. We remember the play against Alabama more than any play in his career. But the one thing I'll point out, it feels like at the end of his career, I mean, at the end of the season, he's been forced fed the ball. 1,012. 1,035, or the 1,012 is this year, I'm sorry. 1,035, 1,006, 1,001, and 1,051 to get over 1,000 yards. I'm not taking anything away from the accomplishment. But, man, it just seems like, yo, let's get this well, guy over 1,000 yards. But I think there's something to it because so many receivers will, will come on the scene. They'll be really good for four or five years, and they kind of go away. Somehow he stayed pretty consistent for 10 straight years. I give him that. I, and I agree with you guys. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, 
It, but the best point, I think the key to his success has been outside of the three years with Tom Brady, the inconsistency at quarterback. Random ride or die, Dustin. I got my pen out. Am I adding Mike Evans? Because oh. you got super defensive right there. Oh, I ride with Mike Evans. No, Mike Evans I can't put him me. in there because he's he's too good. He, I think Mike Evans could get me to the Pro Bowl. That's how good he is. I can't even throw a spiral. Okay. Yeah, I'm not putting him in the list because, you know, compared to RG3 and Frank Reich and others, he's he's too prolific. All right. Uh, Good one for your like. Mike Evans. I like that one. Doug Deep. Let's go. My love. Shane Steichen. So I'm actually going with the two former uh, Eagles coordinators. I went Gannon and the Cardinals for my like. I saved my love for Shane Steichen. Of course, the Colts. Rookie head coach, the win total was set at six and a half. Dustin, you were a little higher on this team than most, so I give you props there. I also thought Anthony Richardson was going to be a quarterback, though. (laughs) Seven and five. Seven and five for the Colts. And again, I I have no clue. Seven and five, six and a half season win total coming into it. And you take a look. I, I mentioned this earlier today, but Campbell, no clue why two to one sitting right now as your potential coach of the year. I mentioned at nine and three, Campbell should be there at nine and three. LaFleur and O'Connell are both in the postseason right now. If it were to start today at six and six, they've done better coaching jobs than Dan Campbell. And I'm not just crushing Campbell, but the Colts seven and five, um, four straight wins. They're sitting seven in the AFC, which is incredible. He took over a team that was four, 12 and one and no disrespect to your boy, Frank Reich and Jeff Saturday. But last year, the Colts were 30th as far as the ranked offenses. And this year, they're eighth. So Steichen, obviously, he lends credence to why people love to go after offensive coordinators to quickly turn around that offense. They haven't had Anthony Richardson, who they used, what, three or four somewhere in there. They used their first round draft pick since week five, and they've been getting it done with Gardner Minshew. It's genuinely befuddling how much they've gotten done here. It really is, if you think about it, because, again, D'Amico Ryan's is going to be in the mix. McDaniel's going to be in the mix. We talked about Campbell, Mike Tomlin, Sean McVay. But do you have a number on Shane Steichen as far as coach of the year, big guy? Just curious to see how long it is. Yeah, it's shortened up a lot. He's down to five to one. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. All right. A little love there for him. But again, kind of nondescript. It can either of you, if you were forced, look, Shane Steichen just murdered somebody. Could you draw him? Could you even give his features? <laughs> I have Could even you better. say what he sounds like? That, Do you have any vibe on Steichen at all? Is he the Mike Evans of rookie head coaches? So I, I have a soundbite here we're going to play from Shane Steichen. I'm going to ask you too. Is he more like Sean McVay or is he more like Jonathan Gannon? Where do you think he falls on that? Okay. So we'll see here. Shane Steichen, what has he learned about his team with so many dramatic wins? They, they have seven one-score games this year. Wow. Just the mental toughness. You know what I mean? There's so much back and forth, and there's so much momentum swings in all these games. And just, you know, obviously, if they get a big play, it's like, how do you, you know, bounce back from that? And same thing with us, keeping the momentum. Um, but it was, it's awesome to see our guys fight every single week uh, and just keep finding ways to win. You know what? I think it's just guys believing. You know what I mean? You hear that word a lot, and it's, but it is true. I mean, you believe Every time you go out, you're going to win the football game. No matter what the circumstances are, uh, no matter what the situation is, you keep fighting and you keep going and you find ways, you know, at the end, if you, if you believe you're going to win, you're going to go out and win a game. Two answers. 
one Gannon, but with more energy. Yes. So they came from the same coaching tree. They kind of seem like the same person, but one has a little bit more energy, speaks a little bit more with rapidity. And then two, he looks exactly like Kyle Shanahan's brother. <laughs> he does. You want to roll it back? You guys want to see it again? I think you nailed it. I couldn't figure out who he looked like. And as I think soon as he popped it. up, I saw Kyle Shanahan. He looks oh, exactly right. like him. I never. Do we know where Mike Shanahan was nine months before there he is. Shane Steichen was born? At, it was Sacramento, California. So I don't know where they <laughs> Shanahan. You know what? Gannon kind of looked at Gannon and Steichen kind of looked. At, it's what happens to people that have been married for a long time, whether it's a gay couple or a straight couple. If you're married for 30 plus years, you just start morphing into the other person. It's you ever noticed that? No, well, we, like old yes. people, they all start looking the same. It's like yes. osmosis. It's wild. Well, we've been doing shows together for like seven years now when's my hair gonna start to look like yours <laughs> we, we have we morphed in <laughs> have we morphed in each other well, I, 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 you know what there would be positives and negatives on Actually, both sides. Actually, I, could I take hate some to say you. this. You, you might be morphing into me more than I'm morphing into you lately, which is an issue. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> I do. Well, we could take positives and negatives. Well, we're, we're on the same blood pressure pill. <laughs> you, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Uh, it's called a beta blocker for those that want to look it up if you're impressed by bad health. Um, so, yeah, Steichen. But he is my love this week because... I clown. I was so wrong on a bunch of my uh, projections as far as win totals, boys. But I uh, certainly am all did not have the Colts sitting in seven and five. Do you think Philly misses him? Uh, yeah, just yeah. a bit. Yeah, and, and yeah. you're absolutely, absolutely right. Well, you know, I always see the people on, in Philadelphia clowning Brian Johnson as their OC. So this doesn't come as much surprise. But Patrick, you said something when we started the show today was right, which is, you know, I talked about D'Amico Ryans, but you're right. Shane Steichen deserves a ton of credit. They're doing it with a career backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew. He is probably in that top three backup quarterback range, but deserves a ton of credit. They lose their starter in Anthony Richardson. Who would have the Colts sitting at seven and five in arguably the second most competitive division of the AFC? And Minshew balling out. Yeah. So all of that credit has to go to Steichen for coaching him up. We'll continue with Like, Love, Love. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, check out the picks, easily sortable. You can follow host and guest, top VSIN experts leaderboard for an intro- introductory offer of just $9.99. So, again, get the picks. We'll email them to you every single day, every single pick over at vsin.com slash subscribe. We got you back here on a Monday, of course, the big drama over the weekend superseded everything, and that was the college football committee, of course, with their final four. You've got Michigan one taking on Bama four, and then, of course, you've got Texas taking on Washington to talk about that. One of the best doing it. Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports National College football writer at Dennis Dodd CBS. I know he's traveling, so we do appreciate a few minutes today. And it was almost like the committee for 10 years or so had gotten away unscathed, had dodged some bullets in the past. And then this year, kind of a confluence, a storm. The perfect storm led to this weekend. And of course, the reaction has been wild. I'd love to hear your take on it, Dennis. I thought it was an abomination. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, We've been told one thing for the last 25 years. 
since the BCS started. If you're a major conference champion and you're undefeated, you're in. There are no parameters. There's nothing in there about losing healthy players. I understand there's language in the, uh, in the protocol of the CFP about it. But let's talk about this. In 1998, when the BCS debuted, Florida State was deemed good enough to play for a national championship. Florida State was deemed good enough to play for a national championship as a backup quarterback. They didn't win, but they certainly made it via the computers. In 2014, when this thing started, Cardale Jones was the third-string quarterback for Ohio State who led them to a Big Ten championship. So that, to me, is hypocritical. So the only thing I'm left with is, well, they didn't look good enough. And I was stunned by a quote in the ESPN story today, ESPN.com, where one anonymous committee member said, we just didn't think they could win a national championship. Well, isn't that a subjective uh something subjective, especially when you've got 30 days a month to get your backup quarter uh, back healthy. Apparently he was, Tate Rodemaker, was going to be healthy and give him a shot at it. I, I thought it was completely misdirected. Oh, and by the way, Alabama lost the game. Uh, Alabama played a game with a third-string quarterback. They, they looked terrible doing it. They won by double digits. Nobody seems to remember UCF. Nobody seems to remember Auburn, uh, last play of the game. And they certainly don't remember the Texas loss. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. I, I thought, Dennis, you brought up a couple of great points there. I don't understand how the Auburn game is just absolved from Alabama's resume. Right. I, I mean, fourth and 30, give them credit for the miracle, but that's ex- it was a kick six part two. And then let's go back. You mentioned the South Florida game where they barely win with uh, Buckner and Simpson in there at a quarterback. But the fact that Florida State, and I get it was with uh, Jordan Travis in week one, was thoroughly more dominant against the common opponent in LSU than the Crimson yep. Tide were against LSU. I mean, to me, if you're Florida State at this point in time going forward, you sit there and say, well, what are we doing? What are we playing for? I, I, I don't understand how you could just catapult the team based on brand. I, and look, I went to Ohio State. I thought in, T, in 2014, I thought TCU should have been in there. I mean, they just seem like they make up their criteria as they go week by week to fit the yeah. narrative. And, and what is your yeah. perspective as a guy who's covered this for so long? Is this just simply Alabama's got more cachet? Well, um, I think brand has something to do with it. But look, we're talking about Florida State a national program with multiple national championships. We're not deciding between Alabama and TCU or Cincinnati or somebody like that, or UNLV, let's put it that way. Um, This is Florida State. They're not a second-level program. And to have them, you know, have them left out like that, look, I think there's this story has moved on. This will never happen again like this because we're going to 12, so the only argument will be about seeding, and uh, buys and who's 13 and who's 12, I think the next step to this is we need transparency in this process. Um, ESPN just did a story quoting anonymous committee members. The last time I checked, they weren't even, they weren't even allowed to talk uh, to the media at all while they were committee members. We need to see their votes. Maybe not every week, but maybe. And if they're too scared to do it and afraid of uh, social media trolls, then let somebody else do it. I think they have this secret process, which, by the way, is the most uh, clandestine and least transparent, I think, in the history of sports right now. AP releases their votes. The voters are allowed to tell people who they voted for. At the end of the year, the coaches 
for years wouldn't release their vote. They do at the end of the season. Um, you know, it just looks like Olympic figure skating where nobody has to show their mask. That's what bothers me the most now that this story has moved on. The great Dennis Dodd joining us, CBS Sports, used the word abomination. I don't think you're wrong. Also, Dennis on Saturday wrote about league title games never being important again as we go to 12. Just I can hear the frustration, so I just want to like zoom out and ask you the state of the sport. Where are you with it right now? The transfer portal, the playoff, where, where are you right now? <laughs> well, not to mention that you know we're pretty darn close to paying players or collective bargaining or the NCA not running things, stuff like that. That's all in play, too, and that's why I'm in town. There's a National Football Foundation dinner uh, tomorrow night, and then the, the Learfield um, Intercollegiate Forum is here at the Aria, and there's only about three times a year where everybody, all the stakeholders are under one roof. So there's, that's some of the questions I'll be asked. Um, the, the game endures. Um, it, I, it hit me in the first year of... NIL in 2021, you know, oh, the upheaval on game day, guys, nothing changed. I don't care. And you don't care if Shador Sanders uh, drives a Maybach or has a gold watch. He's a hell of a player. I don't care if JJ McCarthy, actually I do care because JJ McCarthy gives all his NIL money to charity or most of it. Um, It's still, it's still Ohio state versus Michigan. They're still wearing those colors. And it will endure even through all this crap, all this realignment, everything else, the stuff we're talking about. The game continues to endure. And these players are still young adults. Their minds and bodies and brains are still forming. And the net result of that is some wild and wacky stuff, mostly pleasurable. Fourth and 31 is great. This is great just to talk about. Uh, may not be right. may not be fun. But this will go down uh, historically as, you know, I I think a dark day, but certainly part of the lure of the sport, frankly. Dennis, with the new 12-team playoff taking place and with Texas and Oklahoma leaving the uh, Big 12 to go to the SEC, does the college football playoff next year become the ACC, I'm sorry, the Big 10 SEC challenge plus potentially Florida State and Clemson? I I will um, give you some numbers that, we had researched earlier in the season. We went back nine years and just took it as a 12-team playoff, put the teams in. Uh, in the last nine years, the SEC and uh, Big Ten would have averaged, average, it's just an average, 7.3 out of 12 every year. There were a couple of years there where they would have had nine in each with only three at-large spots. Um, you know what that means? That means in any given year, if those numbers hold, the remaining 100 teams in FBS will get 4.7 spots on average in the playoff. I don't want to hear about Liberty or SMU. You know those. You know where those those spots are going to go to? Mostly to the SEC and the Big Ten. Uh, Big 12 will be in there. The ACC will be in there. But this is this is another chapter in those two leagues taking over the earth. Look, it was it was probably inevitable anyway. That's what the. That's where the TVs, that's where the advertisers want their money to go. Um, we've just seen it evolving, frankly, for decades. But that's going to be the reality of it. You're going to see a lot of rematches. I'm not even saying that's bad. Um, there would have been a rematch I thought I saw in the 12 projected for this year, I think in the first round. I can't remember. Maybe 
Ohio State, Ole Miss, or something like that. But um, going to be a lot of rematches. Uh, we're not going to get what we saw Saturday. Again, it's just all going to be for for uh, for seeding and buys, and that's that. Dennis, I know it's a busy time. You gave us exactly what we needed today, so thank you. Of course, you can find Dennis Dodd on Twitter at Dennis Dodd CBS. Read him at CBS Sports. Thank you, Dennis. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right, bye. Okay, thank you. And you could hear the frustration in his voice. I wrote down a couple. He wrote, he said, abomination, the subjectivity, and just the tone of his voice. I swear to you, I was laughing a couple times because I expected him to say, go play intramurals, brother. <laughs> it's the Big 12. Like he had such, he was so exasperated. I just wanted him to say, go play intramurals, brother. <laughs> But, you know, listen, he's not wrong. And the only thing I thought was if you put Florida State in, the argument would have been that we should not play major non-conference games. That's what Alabama would conclude, right? We're playing in the SEC. We should never play anybody but an FCS opponent or some directional school that we're going to be able to beat by 50 points. That's the only thing I thought was positive by putting the Crimson Tide in. But I can appreciate the consternation that everybody from Tallahassee and Florida State supporters would have. Yeah, you told me that people were frustrated about this uh, on the weekend or on social media, Dustin. Is that true? A lot of people with, uh, quote-unquote, self-proclaimed high-roll character were angry FSU's out. <laughs> the Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
Okay, College Bowl season is here, and VSIN has an early Christmas present for you. If you're not a VSIN Pro subscriber yet, it's no problem. We're going to give away this year's College Bowl betting guide to everyone. We have spreads totals and expert picks from the Golics, Steve Mackinnon, and Brent Musburger for every single bowl game. Put a bow on this year's bowl season and get a free copy of your VSIN College Football Bowl betting guide absolutely for free. Visit vsin.com slash bowl guide and get your free copy today. Okay, a lot to do. Uh, I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. We're presented by BetMGM. This is Sharp Money, our buddy Steve Fezzik, professional handicapper. Now, again, when we're talking about the contest, he won back-to-back, kind of like Johnny Chan with the biggest poker tournament in the world. The Super Contest back in the day, Fezzik went back-to-back. However, this has, what, 5,300 circa millions, 5,300 entries. So we've been talking about contests and strategy. We'll get to your notes that you sent over today as well. Speaking of contests, Survivor. So the Survivor contest at Circa is down to 56 contestants with 24 on the Jags. Fez, how many do you think, how many contestants do you think win Survivor this year? Three. Let me walk you through the math. So going into tomorrow, I'm going to assume we got 51, 51 people left now. The purists out there are going to say that's impossible, Fez. It's either going to be 56 or 34, but the Jags win about 80% of the time. So call it 51. Every two weeks, we're going to lose a little more than half the field, assuming a win rate each game of about 64%. Now, early in the year, it's higher, but now a lot of people are running out of good teams left to play, so their win rates are going to go down. So if I chop the, that 51, two weeks from then, from now, it'll probably be about 22 people. Another two weeks from now, it'll be about nine people. Final two weeks, I'm going to assume people are going to be running out of good teams to play. That nine becomes a three. We'll make the over-under under three and a half minus 130. Anyone want to bet over or under against me? What do you think? Would you, would you say about the oh, 130? Over three and a half. I'm going to say under three and a half is a small favorite. I'll make, but I'll set the number three and a half for winners. You want to go over or under three and a half winners? <laughs> that tie for the win? That's yes. that's right. Under. You want to go under three and a half? Right, I'm going to go over. Good. Yeah. It's a good number. Set a good number then. Like I said, I think the under is a moderate favorite. But just a small one. I, I think the real challenge, and I think why Steve's number is really good, is because when you look around, so many of these teams outside of the Christmas Day situation where people might, might have saved Kansas City facing off against the Raiders or the Eagles against the Giants, um, I'm pretty sure people have probably used San Francisco, Dallas. And then one other thing that stands out, guys, based whether it be on injury or lack of consistency, there's no other team you look at in the NFL now and you sit there and go, wow, that team's going to be a lock against any opponent. I mean, the Ravens have the Rams this weekend. Ten weeks ago, you would have said, that's a play on the Ravens. But I don't think you have the same confidence in Baltimore at this point in time that you would have had about six, seven weeks ago against the Rams. Yeah, you only have one no-brainer, Miami, uh, laying 13 against the Titans this week. That's pretty much it this week. Every other team is uh, very vulnerable, right? Steve, question for you about the contest, and then we'll move on to week 13 takeaways. Also, a great note in your notes about why lane three with San Francisco was a bad play. Let's quickly, I want to ask you this. So as you get to crunch time, five weeks to go, circa millions, a lot of money, obviously a million dollars on the line. Is there a person in particular, of course, your wife and son, they know what's going on, but is there a person in particular you show your card to, you show your plays to each week just to kind of run it by them? Or is this all on you? It's all on me. But the irony to this is that 
I'm reading everything I can from everyone, including but not limited to like, if you asked me like at Vison, who should I read? I'd be like, I, I, you know, I'm biased. Everyone's going to get mad at me, but I'll say like these, these former professional athletes. Um, let me just say this. Um, you never hear, or, or people that are in mainstream media, you never hear ESPN host, um, quits job to become a professional gambler all right that's the that, that just doesn't happen typically um although um, mr kazarian i'm sorry i know you absolutely could do it so let me throw that out there um and you certainly don't hear ever headline former um professional football player making a killing betting for a living okay so um i understand they're very entertaining and they great content but give me a steve mackinan or an adam burke over any former professional athlete now the former professional athlete should be better he is more inside information on how everything works but you know what he's been taught the colors wrong as when he's playing he just he wants to bet on the the premium best teams and typically that's not where the value is i think patrick steve brings up a great point in the sense that like the point spread is the great equalizer in our business right on paper miami's going to destroy tennessee next week but all of a sudden you sit there and say now they're getting potentially 14 points by the time we get to kickoff it changes how a player is looking at a game compared to how all of us as betters would look at it so you mentioned in your notes, let's discuss why San Francisco lane three was a bad bet. Now, again, for a general better or a new better, they'd look and say, wait, the 49ers won 42 to 19. But Steve, I think this is a tremendous opportunity for you to teach a little lesson here. If you were laying the three with the Niners, that's a no go. Yeah. So and, and, and full disclosure, I only like talking about bets I win. All right. Don't like talking about bets I lost. So um, and I'll give Will Hill credit to, uh, on this one. He sends me a very innocuous text. He's like 49ers minus one, you know, just without any explanation. This is like late Sunday night. And I'm like, oh, that's right. This is the revenge game. Niners are the best team in the NFL. They lost Purdy last year in the playoffs. They got rolled. Their only touchdown was when, you know, C-Mac ran over somebody. But um, that's very forgivable because Purdy had to come back in. They didn't have a quarterback. And Philly's going through their gauntlet of five straight tough opponents. And their opponents have been short-circuiting like Kansas City, giving away these games. Of course, San Francisco was a good bet at Pickham. And at minus one and at minus two. Um, and, of course, if we go back in our time machine, of course, if they replayed, I would lay three in a second. I would lay seven probably given the way that that game played out. But the bottom line is you can't be laying three on a game like that. That's a game you got to lay pick and minus one and minus two. Okay. Minus two and a half is like that's you should be the last one in at that point. If you lay three, you're not working hard enough. You're, you're, you're spending too much time on East Carolina and college basketball. You need to be a little more focused to get to these games before those big moves. And everyone that's like, oh, Fez, you, you have no idea what you're doing. It was a clear-cut right side, even at minus three. I could make the same exact case about the Oregon-Washington game. If Oregon had won that game by 30, we'd be like, oh, it was so obvious. Oregon outplayed them the first time they played. They were on the road. And now Oregon's been going up. Washington's been going down. Penix isn't healthy. Washington only has six days to prepare. And so if Oregon had won that game by 24, you'd be like, oh, I didn't it, what, it, what did it matter? I lay six with Oregon or eight or ten. They were the clear-cut right side except for they lost the game outright and it happens. There's the ball is shaped weird and these are human beings we're talked about and there's a certain level of unpredictability and uncontrollable predictable events that happen with any football game. So when you say it was a bad bet on the Niners, forget the result of the game, just because the number was at three and it was available uh, last Sunday or Monday at minus one or two. Sharp fifth grader yeah. who analyzed this game on Sunday night concludes Niners. There's no other way. So nothing changes. No injury reports. Nothing changes all week long. And it goes to three. And then people come out. 
I like San Francisco minus three. Well, what the heck are you doing all week? You know, you just, I mean, what were you doing on, on Sunday night and Monday? Just, you know, other than screwing around with college basketball, you got to get to those numbers earlier. But just to expand upon that, you talk about this all the time. And I think it's a great point that he brings up, Patrick, which is you should be looking at the games for a week in advance. Right. So when the Sunday night lines come out, you have an opportunity to jump on them well before the adjustment or the number settles in. Right. Now, if you're betting 10,000 or 100,000 a game as a syndicate, I understand you can't bet, you can't tip your hand too early because the lines will move. But I would say, and this will be controversial, the numbers just came out for week 14 and people are like, I'm doing my homework early. I'm going to get ahead of the lines. You know what? And I'm, I'm going to give this advice. Forget week 14. It's too late. Lines have already moved. Go to week 15. Those lines, those look-ahead lines, are going to show up tomorrow at noon, and they're going to be wrong. They're going to be very, very wrong all week long. I'd focus on week 15 instead of week 14. <laughs> safe, to, safe to say somebody laying, th excuse me, minus three with the 49ers offends Steve Fezzik's sensibilities, which brings me back to years ago. I, I took away from our conversations. I'm like, you know, I'm convinced that professional handicappers like Steve, they're more concerned about getting the best of the number than winning their bets sometimes. Now, obviously, that's not. But over the long run, being concerned with getting the best of the number is a good practice, to be fair. Yeah. And, and, and people, there's a myth out there that, like, we're all, like, smoking our cigars as part of the sharp guy union. And we're all reaching conclusion that this is the right side or the wrong side. And people think that's how. Be, that's how these pros win. I'll use an example. My buddy, the Hitman, all right, at Hitman428, all right? He, he, I, you wouldn't believe me if I told you what he's won this year in his betting, Patrick, um, but he's making a lawyer's salary, a good lawyer's salary. And you know what he is midweek with his best bet that he gives out on a podcast? He's 1-11. and 11. You can't make this up. And he genuinely is trying his best. But you know what? He'd be the first to tell you it's an NFL side midweek at one point in time. All my bets are like, as soon as like like injury reports come in or guys don't practice and like I'm like firing, it's like a scavenger hunt. I'm getting to a number before anybody else as quickly as I can and especially on props. Ah, sports betting, where somebody that's really smart, like the gentleman you call the hitman, can make a lawyer salary and call himself the hitman. <laughs> that is sport, That is sports betting. That's either softball or sports betting, but, you know, that is a hat tip to the hitman who's killing it this year. We continue with Steve Fezzik, who's also killing it next year, Sharp Money. of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.